When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's show, Xbox had a massive leak or took a massive leak. Whose fault was it? We'll discuss. Plus, we played Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Brittany Brombacher. Hello! So you caught me in the middle of the yonder in that one. Usually lead with the lovely, gorgeous, stunning Re, and I thought I had a second T on. Turns out well, I didn't. My apologies. Yes, Mrs. Rihanna Manuel Peniel is here as well. I'm back! Hey. I missed you last week in the studio. I know, I know. I wish I could have been there, but it's fine because I actually had time to play something this week. (laughs) Very exciting times. This has been a very interesting week. So not only was there some incredibly crazy news that happened with all these Xbox documents that are now out in the wild, but we've gotten some really cool hands-on that we can talk about and all kinds of fun stuff. So we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. Thank you to this month's Patreon producers, true is Godson, Ferrisatia, Justin Foshi, and Punk Defied. If you want to join our Patreon community, you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games. We do have some fantastic new five-star reviewers. We do, and there are two different types of reviewers, ladies. So the first type of reviewer comes by example of Jay Lathery, who says, I have been listening to What's Good Games since 2018, and I can honestly say it's one of my favorite podcasts of all time. As a dad Mm. of three young kids, six, four, and two, I love how they are honest about the realities of playing games when you have kids. Long story short, it's hard. But this podcast never strays from the hard stuff in both life and video games, and I appreciate that. And then we have our second kind of reviewer, who is FirstCom99, who says, I love hot gamer milfs. (laughs) You know, that should be a shirt. (laughs) Yes, I feel like I need to work on that as a design store. I owe y'all some long t-shirts as well, some long sleeve t-shirts, because we're going into the winter months but more on that later. This episode is also brought to you by Factor and ExpressVPN, but we'll talk to you guys more about that later because boy, oh boy, what a news week. And it's been a doozy. It's been like this giant roller coaster, what's been happening with these Microsoft leaks. So if y'all have been not on social media or looking at news at all, and we're literally like the only thing you listen to video game news, there was a gigantic leak of epic proportions Microsoft has been in this ongoing trial, which y'all know about at this point because it's been months, with the FTC about whether their merger and their desire to buy Activision Blizzard was actually going to be approved or not. And there was still some remaining court stuff to happen. And as part of that, there were some documents that got uploaded to the internet. 
that maybe weren't supposed to get uploaded in the way that they did. So let's start at the beginning with what documents were found. So I pulled uh, Stephen Tortillo's coverage from Axios because he's usually very thorough in getting the details on this. And then we'll talk more about the additional stories <laughs> that have come out after this. So Microsoft has been planning a refresh to its current Xbox line for potential release next year and has mapped out an ambitious multi-device approach to the new generation that will follow in 2028. Wait. Newly leaked documents show. Now, why does this matter? He writes, the internal documents offer a stunningly clear, if potentially dated, spoilers, it is dated, view of what Microsoft has planned for its gaming division in the near future. Now, those details in files not listed among the exhibits released by the U.S. District Court of Northern California over the weekend as part of the Federal Trade Commission's lawsuit to block Microsoft's $69 billion bid for Activision nice. Blizzard, which I alluded to. But late Monday night, a user at the gaming forum Reset Era, which we haven't talked about in a minute, but you guys remember Reset Era? Oh, that was the wrong scene. Reset Era is the thing that's still alive and kicking. Uploaded a seemingly innocuous deposition shared by the court that contained attachments loaded with Microsoft's plans. So that's kind yeah. of where it all went haywire, which we'll all talk about a little bit later on in the story about how that happened. But first, we got to look at a bunch of stuff. I think some of the biggest news to come out of these leaks was the mid-gen Xbox refresh, codenamed Brooklyn, Elwood, and Sabil. And what these are are essentially new versions of the consoles that are already out. That would be, you know, the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series X, it's going to be like a refresh. So the Xbox Series X console refresh, actually, like I'm all here for. I think it looks great, their plans. So it doesn't add any actual like power to the console, but there's a revised feature set, including an all new digital device with no disk drive, but two terabytes hey. of storage, which is amazing. And a low power consumption as part of Microsoft at large plan to become a more sustainable company. That was a big reason why they won a sustainability award recently. A Games for Change, I think, is where they won the sustainability award. Sounds right. Um, where they as a company were kind of honored for the work that they're doing to try to tell all the developers they work with as well as their internal teams like, hey, this is how power consumption with video game hardware is really impacting the planet. Let's talk about how we can reduce that footprint. And I think that that's a really great initiative. Price at $4.99. So no real movement there, but typically refreshes mid-console cycle aren't mm -hmm. lower in price. <laughs> Unless they're a much lower offering like Switch Lite was, right? That same presentation also showed a slightly revamped Xbox Series S dubbed Elwood and a new Xbox controller with pants. Yeah. <laughs> I like that little meme that's going on. Like, Xbox made a controller with pants, <laughs> which contains a tilt sensor, quieter buttons, and the ability to connect to a mobile app. So people are saying, hey, maybe Xbox is trying to take some cues from what Sony did with the DualSense and add some more kind of fancy bells and whistles to their controller. And that controller is slated to launch May 2024. But of course, who knows if any of these dates right. are actually legitimate anymore? Because this stuff is all from 2020, by the way. Yeah. Okay. You know, speaking on that, I don't know if it's pulled. There is a bunch of software lineup like dates and whatnot and obviously yes, the stuff particularly from Bethesda let me pull that yeah yeah and I don't remember because I remember when this was all breaking I was up late at night you know as I am and I was reading through the, all the Twitter shenanigans and I was like 
this is so fascinating, but fuck me if I wanted to go through. I don't even know how many pages of PDF were leaked on here, and it was a lot. No, I was like, nope, I'll wait till, for someone else to do it. But I did see some of the slides that people were sharing, and one of them, yeah, was a, a software release schedule, and those dates were obviously very off. Obviously, there were some surprises in there. Surprise for getting more Skyrim. Is that <laughs> right? Is that happening? But yeah, so, so yeah, take all this with a grain of salt. And I think Rebecca Valentine was sharing a very interesting stat, too. I think around the time these slides were put together, the amount of Xbox owners that had an Xbox Series S versus an X, it was something like 75% back then, or maybe it was more than that. But she was sharing that, and obviously that's also dated information, but also just something kind of interesting. So the title release slide that I think you're referring to shows a new Doom game, which is thought to be a prequel called Doom Year Zero. And DLC, of course, the Indiana Jones game that has already been announced that Bethesda and Machine Games are working on an alleged sequel to Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, which may or may not be in development. Dishonored 3, you know, which is very exciting. And then some unannounced games, Project Kestrel, Project Hibiki are two on there as well, plus expansions for Elder Scrolls Online. That's, I feel like, not surprising at all. There is a licensed IP game that is unnamed hmm. on there. So it's like, hmm, hmm, what is what is that potentially? An Oblivion remaster. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Which is potentially exciting, but also like, I mean, who, who needs to go back to Oblivion? <laughs> not to say that that game is not like an amazing RPG, but in the world where there's just so many fantastic MMOs that exist today that are new today. Like, why go back to that? They'll definitely sell units and they clearly have like the staff to do it. So good for them, I guess. And then there's also Elder Scrolls 6. I loved fiscal 2024. There we go. Yep. That's how you know this shit is old. I'm like, girl can only hope. You never know though. I think the thing to keep in mind about Bethesda is that they revealed and released Fallout 4 in like five months. That's true. Like they kept that shit secret. I mean, we all knew that they were working on Fallout 4, right? But like we didn't get a reveal or anything. And then they had this big splashy reveal at E3 at the Mm -hmm. Bethesda Showcase. And then they're like, by the way, it's coming out in November. Yeah. We're announcing it in June and then it's out like in the fall. There's no way. Like they're capable of that. Do I think that's what's happening with Elder Scrolls 6? Definitely not. No, I think Todd (laughs) Howard even said 2028 maybe ish. I think is the day that's going around in my head, but but not 2030, I Paris. Was, I was gonna say <laughs> Todd Howard just chuckled. He didn't tell me no, but he laughed. So I, I'm assuming that 2030 is a, like a hysterically long amount of time. Wow. Of course, nothing to officially report. So just a couple things that they announced there. So also in this leak, the next gen vision that Microsoft has beyond Xbox Series X and S. And they say that console generations we now know offer one or two models of a powerful piece of gaming hardware. The leaked presentation of Gen 10, I don't know why I used air quotes because it definitely is the 10th generation, (laughs) offering included consoles, phones, web browsers, and a handheld system, PCs, and a cloud console with a shared operating system across devices. I definitely feel like this is where the technology is heading. Microsoft has been very clear about their investment in the Azure cloud farms and saying that this 
this is a big part of their long-term vision as a company. I think that this is surprising to no one. So it's like, yeah. oh, no, they leaked it. They're going to be doing a cloud device. Well, okay. No shit, Sherlock. Everyone's <laughs> kind of already doing that anyway. I would give my left hit for a dedicated Xbox handheld system. Like something, mm. you know, I think every console needs to go this way. Everybody. PlayStation, I know you're out there doing backflips in your own universe, whatever the fuck that thing is that you just launched. But I'm talking something that can play this shit natively. Like, oh, I want all of that. Do it. Jeff, I know you're listening to this show. Make it happen. You're big. You run, I want you all run of that Xbox. too. <laughs> but I still vividly remember an E3 interview with both Aaron Greenberg and Phil Spencer, much younger gentlemen, probably eight years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, Okay, where I asked them specifically, this was when the PS Vita was being debuted at E3. That's how old this interview was. And I was like, so when's when's the Xbox handheld coming? And my goodness, was Aaron Greenberg there with the fucking talking points of, you know, there's a Windows phone, right? You can play Microsoft <laughs> games on your Windows phone. I was like, no one's buying the fucking Windows phone to play video games, Aaron. <laughs> I actually you have know, a Windows the phone. The background PR is like, woo, good job, Aaron. I actually had a Windows yes. phone and I played a lot of games on it, okay? Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you were, I mean, see, he wasn't wrong, obviously, but... <laughs> My takeaway from that is that every time it's been brought up, Xbox and Microsoft, people who do these interviews are steadfast with, we're not making a handheld. And if they do, I imagine it'll be third party, that they're not doing it internal, and that it's going to be a cloud device, much like the Logitech handheld that mm-hmm. came out, or the like the other handhelds. I believe there's an Alienware one, right? Like, there's a lot of people who are doing cloud-based handhelds, even like what Sony's doing with the PlayStation... What's that thing called? Play? PlayStation Play? I keep wanting what to call it? it the portable. Portable? I, I do too. It's PSP. <laughs> it's a P word. Portal, right? Portal. It's portal. PlayStation portal. portal. Yes. Because I was like, the Facebook portal was a thing before the PlayStation yeah, portal was. Yeah. I imagine it would be more like that than it would be like a Nintendo Switch. Sure. So I'm, They're not going like, to get my left hit then if that's the route they go. Hey, if, no, it, but like if that's the route on, that I think they're going to go. If it works on a but. cell network or a mobile network, then I might still be on board. I don't oh, want to be locked to my internet in order to that's, do it. That's just it, Rhea. I don't want to be locked to my internet. That's all no. I'm saying. I don't care. I just want to be able is. to have the ability to insert an SD card and download games locally. Even if they like ship it with a like a tiny internal hard drive, like I'm gonna be mad about that, but I will tolerate I will tolerate that if I can have an SD card expansion, you know, like the Switch. Because like with Switch games, you don't really need too much space because most of them are small. Not the same with Xbox games. They're big, they're big boys. So you'll need a card. And like micro card technology has come a very long way in the mm-hmm. last couple of years. So anyway, I think that's a whole nother conversation once that thing actually gets announced. Anyhow, this happened. There was a bunch of stuff released. There was more things about things that they're going to add to the platform. Like, are they going to support crypto wallets? What are the changes to the architecture for PC compatibility is going to be? A whole bunch of stuff. Like Brittany said, there was a lot in those PDFs that people were not expecting. Phil Spencer, of course, made a public statement in response and said, we've seen the conversations around old emails and documents. It is hard to see our team's work shared in this way because so much has changed and there's so much to be excited about right now and in the future. We will share the real plans Mm. when we are ready. And then, of course, he also wrote an internal memo, which is now available on the internet. And in that memo, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It says that Spencer hints that Microsoft's plans may have changed, particularly as some documents were from last year, but others were from years prior, saying, quote, I know this is disappointing, even if many of the documents are well over a year old and our plans have evolved. So I think like the consensus from people who have publicly spoken about it from the Microsoft side is that, yeah, I mean, like none of this is like 
super surprising or shouldn't be, but a lot of this is old news and Mm -hmm. things change. And they do. Things change very fast Mm -hmm. in technology. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I think for me, though, what it is, is it's more fascinating than anything. Even, I mean, I'm kind of happy this is old and it's a lot of it might be dated because listen, like that's just part of the fun of this industry, right? Is getting those big reveals and being excited for those press conferences. And like you said earlier, Andrew, you nailed it. None of this is exciting. I think this is something we're going to expect anyway. But we'll be curious now to see how much of this has changed going forward. And it is fun to kind of get an idea of uh, how the sausage is uh, made or how, how things are stuffed. You know what I mean? So it's kind of cool to like take a look at that kind of stuff. But I know it's very disappointing for the teams. But for the consumer, it's a very fascinating look into it. That's a good point. I also really like that everything here is like pretty good. There's nothing here that looks like, oh, God, why would they do that? Or that's terrible for the audience or the consumer. Like all of this, I would be happy to see a version of these plans come to light. So wasn't there something in there about Nintendo Xbox? Yeah, like they wanted oh. to acquire Nintendo. But that yeah, that, that it was a conversation. Of course, that conversation happened. Duh. We talked <laughs> when Microsoft talked about acquiring Activision Blizzard. I mean, we talked about how they have more money than they know what to do with. Like their pile of cash is giant. Mm hmm. But acquiring Nintendo (laughs) is a difficult proposition because you know who else has a giant pile of cash? Nintendo. (laughs) And they don't really have a debt ledger. And that's the thing that we talked about last time this conversation came up because there was rumors floating around like, are EA Nintendo going to merge and blah, 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 and all these other things. And it's like, well, the thing about Nintendo as a financial entity is that they don't really have like a debt sheet. And that's why they've been able to be so successful for as many years as they have, because they've been a very fiscally conservative company. But from an acquisition standpoint, that means you don't really have a lot of leverage. You essentially have to pay their full market cap because you're not writing down any debt. And so whoever is going to buy them has to like really pony up a lot of fucking money. No, no one. But Microsoft has the money. If anyone was going to do it, it'd be Microsoft. I mean, they at least did the math. So, you know. But there's no way the FTC would ever approve that. (laughs) Imagine Blizzard. (laughs) Yeah, they can't have two platforms just merge. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm sure. I'm sure the legal team at Xbox was like, okay, we're gonna do this thought experiment because somebody in the C-suite said, okay, what if though Mm -hmm. Mario and Master Chief were BFF? Like that could be cool. (laughs) And then the lawyers were like. You do realize that this is a legal nightmare, right? That <laughs> this is never this is never going to get approved anywhere in the world. Imagine? So let's why are we doing this thought experiment? Oh, see, that's why places like Newgrounds exist. At least they used to. I don't know. Does Newgrounds still exist? Do you remember any anyone else have ever gone Newgrounds? Just me. Okay, never mind. That's where you find all like the fun little skits of like Mario or like Dorkly back in the day. Okay, never mind. Fuck all y'all. Skits? You mean like YouTube sketch stuff? Oh, it, it was like animated stuff in like the pixel forms. Like you know, it'd be like Mario and Yoshi off on an adventure but it would look like the actual game because people would use the actual sprites and they would do like random mashups like that and if you'd be like machinima sure yeah machinima sure i mean maybe i don't know fuck it well so machinima is like the overall art form of using game assets to create new yeah dramatic you know medium there you go that's all i was trying to say Interesting. No, that was deep uh, cut. Nerd now dome. I feel like a deep cut. Like Newgrounds should, back in the day up. was the fucking shit, man. They did lyrics to the Chocobo soundtrack, and now I can never listen to that soundtrack without hearing those lyrics in my head, and it's absolutely <laughs> ruined that song for me. Same with all the Link to the Past songs. I regret all of my decisions. Fuck Newgrounds. All I do really oh, love them. Fuck you, but I love you. Yeah. Oh, the internet story. Yeah. To- 
kind of put a button on this Microsoft story. The latest news that came out before we started recording the show was that apparently the leak, which was originally blamed on the FTC, of like the FTC leaked these documents. <laughs> it looks this. like the FTC came out and was like, yo, bro, it wasn't us. And it looks like the judge in part of the case in California was like, actually, Microsoft uploaded these documents themselves to this web link. We told them per their request that they could upload redacted documents, but they instead just uploaded the full documents without redacting them. And that's not on us. That's Mm -mm. on you guys. You guys uploaded those. We told you you could upload the redacted versions. And so I feel like there's going to be a clarifying statement from Microsoft at some point being like, so um, about the leak, actually, somebody lost their job. I don't know. I tried to oh, what put on my, here, but my oh my god! hat the, the other day when I was thinking about this. I'm like, how would I feel if that were me that accidentally uploaded these? Just knowing that you've laid out these plans and these secrets. That you're, you're literally going to like go work at McDonald's for the rest of your life. Yeah. That, that your career in law is over. Oh, so awful. <laughs> my god. Like, I... Fuck, I mean, accidents happen. We're all human, but like, oof, you know? Just... Not of this proportion. I mean, this yeah. is like, like this is a, a potential lawsuit, but like, how does somebody like Xbox or Microsoft sue an individual who who does this? You're never going to get the money. Or their like, own legal team, where it probably came from. Yeah. A lot yeah. of times in these cases, I've learned they don't use their internal legal team. They get outside counsel specifically yeah. for these kind of FTC cases. And so it's like, well... There's not like a lot of law firms in the United States that handle clients as big as Microsoft. So it's like, hmm, how do you work potentially at one of the biggest, most successful law firms in the United States on one of the largest clients in the world and then fuck up of this magnitude? (laughs) I bet you somebody knows the answer that we'll never get the actual story on. But yeah, it's probably for the best. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No shit. (sighs) Turns out, though, none of this is going to be bad for them. I think this is all good news. There are some people who are on the internet being like, oh, Xbox is going like all digital. Duh. (laughs) Yeah, they've been been telegraphing this move for a very long time. If you just are now catching up, you've been under a rock. So funny. Yeah. And I mean, this is right. Yeah. Whatever. I'm just going to drink my whiskey. Yes. Okay. I feel like that's a great place to move on to some more exciting news for, oh my gosh, this face. (laughs) Oh, God. Ooh, what, 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 uh, what, what inspired that? Wait, why? Why is it so bad? What are you drinking? It's Johnny Walker Black Label. Oh, so that's a standard. It's fine. I don't know something about it. Hmm. I don't know what it, I mean. I don't know. Have I had? I mean, ha- but that's a that's a scotch, and you're more of a bourbon. No, girl. I mean, generally it's fine. I think maybe it was because I've been sipping on this five hour energy shot. Oh, and is, then you did the Johnny Walker. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure those things don't mix this great is together. Pomegranate flavor. Cannot recommend. Ooh, yeah, Ooh. that sounds tricky. Well, oh, I feel like my tongue is on. Like my tongue is awakened. It is alive. Well then, awakened. Ooh. Ooh, then I feel like you're ready for our next segment. <laughs> But before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by this fantastic sponsor. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Factor. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy this fall to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning 
filling up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you need to do is heat and enjoy and then get back to crushing your goals. Maybe you're already counting calories in anticipation of all that Halloween candy you'll be eating? Well, try delicious dietitian-approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Or maybe your situation is the opposite and you're about to join the Swole Patrol. Then the Protein Plus meals are for you, each with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And with Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice because we're all in saving the planet together. They offset 100% of delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash whatsgood50 and use code whatsgood50 to get 50% off. That's code whatsgood50 at factormeals.com slash whatsgood50 to get 50% off. It's time, Brittany. <laughs> it's like a dragon time. <laughs> Tokyo okay. Game Show is underway. So, of course, that means Sega has an update on Britney's husband Oh, my God. And we got a fucking meaty, pun intended. <laughs> a meaty-ass update. Yeah, so we got a 36-minute direct on Tuesday. And holy shit. Oh, my God. I was so fucking hyped. Okay, so we got updates on Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who raised his name, and Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. So just for y'all who forgot, Infinite Wealth releases now. We have a release date January 26th, 2024. But before that, we have Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name, which comes out November 9th. So that game is right around the corner. So we don't really need to talk too much about that game because I've already talked about it at length on this show. But I think the main takeaway about that game that we got from this Direct, and this was the first ever Direct, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. And they fucking crushed it. Was that if you plan to play Infinite Wealth, you definitely should play The Man Who Erased His Name. And the team was really pushing these games being a fantastic starting off point for folks who haven't played the series before. So... If you're thinking, oh, there's too many games, it's too overwhelming, I understand that, but it sounds like these games are very much being set up in a way that you can hop into them without knowing anything. And let's be real, that's how it needs to be because there are too many of these things. Okay, so we got all that great stuff, lovely, wonderful, great. And then we got a 10-minute story and gameplay trailer for Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. 10 freaking minutes. And there's so much to unpack here. And it's honestly one of the wildest trailers I've ever seen. But I will just point out some key takeaways that I do have. So the premise of this game is Ichiban is on a quest to find his mother. More like this quest was pushed onto him by the Seiru clan because guess what? They're back and they're back up to some more shenanigans. Now this is fascinating because everyone just assumed that Ichiban, the main character from Like a Dragon, his mother is dead. And it's a long ass story, but essentially he was born stuffed into a coin locker and then raised as an orphan in a Japanese brothel. That is <laughs> Ichi's origin story and everyone just assumed his mom was dead but it sounds like she's maybe alive. So anyway he is now in Honolulu looking for her and after arriving in Hawaii he's on his way to his hotel room and his driver though is shady as fuck and he takes him off the beaten path and then he points a gun at him and he's like yo get out but it turns out this dude's name is Tomizawa and he's going to be an important new playable character. So ooh plot twist. Okay this is all relevant because then from there, it cuts to the scene where he is naked on the beach. Now, I'm assuming we've all watched this scene at least a million times, or maybe that's just me who could say. And then he wakes up and he is in, 
don't know if he wakes up or whatever, but he's being interrogated by the Honolulu police, probably because he's being charged with some sort of indecent exposure charge, because like, why were you naked on a beach, sir? That's really weird. Anyway, he breaks out, and as he's running away, still in handcuffs, no one other than Daddy Kiru finds him and releases him from his handcuffs. So Ichiban isn't the only hero in this game. We now have Kiru Kazuma. I mean, he's you know, he's been the hero for the entire series, but we all thought after six that maybe, you know, he was gonna be taking a break. But no, he's in a lot of this footage. So I'm assuming he's gonna be playing a much bigger role than any one of us anticipated, which is so exciting. And there is a lot of ties between Kiru Like a Dragon Gaiden and this game as well. So it sounds like the people that Kiru was working for in Like a Dragon Gaiden is also looking for Ichiban's mom which is like, why are so many people looking for her? Who is she? Why is she so special? And then there's a whole nother new crime faction called the Barracudas, and they're also looking for his mom in Hawaii. And this is really cool. So the leader of the Barracudas is a guy named Dwight, and he's played by Danny Trejo, which like I wasn't expecting, but he's there he is right there. There's Dwight. That's Danny. So he is voicing this. And everyone was really excited about that. Okay, so the next big thing from this, and this is absolutely wild. So Kiru has this new, like, shaggy gray black hair. And we always kind of thought maybe it was because he's going undercover because everyone thought he was dead. Turns out he has cancer. I mean, this is this is a plot choice. I'm not That's sure. That's like such an interesting plot choice for Yakuza to take because they are so yeah. irreverent. For them to mm-hmm. use a very serious, heavy, real-world topic in their games is definitely unexpected. Yeah, you know, that's they are very silly, but I will say, too, that the game does tackle a lot of very, very serious themes and a lot of serious real-life situations. And so I don't want to jump the gun and say, like, oh, this is not going to fit. This isn't going to be played off well. We'll see what happens here. But it definitely is a choice. And at first I'm thinking, are they doing this? So that way, you know, Kiryu has always been set up as the main strong character, the one who can fight everyone and kick everyone's ass. Is this a way of them showing him being like the only thing that can literally stop me is cancer? Like, and I now I need help. Like, I don't know how they're going to do this. I'm going to hold off judgment. But this was not on the bingo card. Obviously, you know, cancer is a very, very serious thing and it's fucking awful and terrible. And so we'll see what happens here. I don't know, but that's what's going on. That's the narrative they've written. And that's why his hair looks the way it does. And then there's some also super serious sentimental flashbacks with him and his adoptive daughter Haruka from Yakuza 5. And then, and now I'm totally switching gears, then we get a look at Daddy Majima. And he looks fucking like hot garbage. He looks disheveled <laughs> as fuck. And I've never wanted wanted him more. Of he, course. Oh, God. <gasps> so Majima, Saijima, and Daigo are all off doing their own thing. And so when we see them, they all look like they're kind of living in this makeshift house in the middle of nowhere, assuming working some sort of job now that, like, you know, the Tojo clan has been disbanded. And it's this very serious kind of moment and really kind of iconic moment between all of them, I think, potentially facing Kiru's mortality with him. It's very, very deep. And then that's kind of mostly how it ends. And then it quickly just jumps into the wackiness. It just jumps into all the silliness. Like the story stuff stops kind of in that moment. And then we see flashes of karaoke, surfing, parasailing. There's a giant fucking shark. There's a a squid the size of a building. It is just (laughs) absolutely wild. And then Kiro has this iconic line. And he says, I'll take on the Yakuza's past, but you, I want you to handle their future. 
And that is just like the most passing of the torch moment ever. Now, granted, you know, I did watch the actor interviews that was all in Japanese, but live translated. And, you know, the team at RGG was saying, yo, just because, you know, that he's sick, it doesn't mean this is his end. I can't see them killing him off. But, you know, we'll just have to see. But anywho, so now we have all this like silly, silly shenaniganry. Then we hop into this gameplay trailer. And in this gameplay trailer, you're seeing a lot more Kiru and he's going to be controlled with the RPG mechanics that was in Like a Dragon. So that's really exciting because typically we've only been able to punch it with him. But now we don't have to. The entire crew is back. I just knocked over my whiskey bottle. It's fine. The entire crew is back from Like a Dragon. And then we have some new playable characters as well. Like Sunyi, she is now a playable someone you can use in your party, which is like, oh my God, I love her and her pink hair. It's so incredible. They talked about party and relationship progression. I don't need to go into that. And then the Poundmates returns, which is like the best name ever. Poundmates is a summoning service where essentially like, you know, you can call in summons. You know, they have Diaper Man. Gary Buster Holmes has a love camp. The Crawfish is back. What is her name? Nancy. Nancy the Crawfish. Akiyama is in there. The the host from Stardust are in there. Like, it is. there's my Stardust boys. Andrew, you're fucking crushing it with this B-roll footage, by the way. You were like... <laughs> Just for you, girl. Okay, yeah. And then I have to end with the mini games. And then, like, I'm already so fucking excited for this game. And then they started showing off the mini games, and I am just freaking out. Okay. So there's a version of Crazy Taxi called Crazy Delivery, where essentially it looks like you're acting as like an Uber Eats driver, but you're on a bike. And the whole idea is to shred on your bike and do flips and deliver your food and style to people. And I loved Crazy Taxi back in the day. So, right? So, anything that can replicate that, let alone putting it in a Like a Dragon game, oh, say no more. I'm going to be playing that till I fucking die. And then there's the Sujimon battle. So Sujimon were also in like a dragon, but it's, yes, it's Pokemon. But with Sujimon, it's like you use Pokemon, but humans, and you recruit the humans, and then you like train them up, and then you fight them, and you load them into your Suji decks, and you pit them head to head, and you gotta collect them all and level them up so you can become a Sujimon master. Like, I can't make this fucking shit up. This is so freaking wild to me. Okay. And then there's another mini game called Mismatch, where you have to create a dating profile, and you quote, put your chatting skills to the test and quote will you be able to meet the girl of your dreams and looks like this is also going to be an FMV and then there shows like glimpses of what looks like they're at a strip club maybe there's like some strip club mini game there's karaoke there's Sega bass fishing in there spike out and some other stuff and all your typical side quests and mini games anyway I've just so goddamn excited like I was already excited for this game but after seeing this trailer I just feel like my hype and the hype of everybody else is just tenfold at this moment and Yakuza is known for the mini games it's been like a hallmark of the oh, franchise yeah. for years oh yeah and they just keep adding new ones and iterating and they're getting crazier and crazier like except the sujimon stuff it's pokemon but with like humans in costumes and it's it's just oh my god i can't wait this is gonna be such a comfort food game it comes out about a month before final fantasy 7 rebirth which is a little concerning but you know <laughs> if that's the only thing i'm playing i'll make it happen but anyway i mean i i'm honestly just so thrilled to see the series taking off the way it has i know for a while it struggled in the west and i think you know putting it on a game pass really helped buoy it its popularity the fact that we've gotten ishin we're getting uh, like a dragon gaiden and we're getting infinite wealth all within a year it's just incredible and amazing and i think these games are obviously doing really well because they just keep coming and there's just nothing like them and they just make me so happy and they just keep adding and building on and i feel like this narrative is really going in a really really big kind of meta way and i just love to see it so i'm just so thrilled i'm, I'm so, thrilled. so just so happy that you're happy Thanks. and like the game like 
credit to RGG where it's due as a studio for being able to really kick these titles out at a clip, right? Because there's not a lot of downtime between each of these titles. And I think that's like a huge gap in my knowledge as to who RGG as a studio is and like how big they are, how many different teams they have, because these games look great. They do really well and they like churn them out. Yeah, no, they do. That's what I'm saying. And they're always so fucking good. I mean, I know I've said this a million times. This is the only series where I've been able to play seven of these games back to back to back within two months and literally never burned out. Like I never burned out once. In fact, I was mad when I was done because I wanted more of them. There's just something about them that is just so utterly charming. And the, the quality just in my in my opinion, just it, it's maintained. And sure, there's some weird ones back in the day, but I fully believe someday we'll get like new Kiwami games. I'm going to stop now. But this is fucking. <laughs> incredible friends (laughs) and it's coming out so soon well it's because you have to take a little breather before we get to hands-on where you're going to have another (sighs) moment in in the show there was more news to be coming out of tokyo game show but a lot of it is happening sort of as we're recording the show so if there's any other really big news we'll be bringing it to the show next week but a couple quick in case you missed it and i'm going to make this quick because Y'all know we dived a little bit into the Unity fiasco that happened last week. There was an update on Sunday earlier this week. The company apologized for, quote, confusion and angst (laughs) that it's new (laughs) policy (laughs) cause, but we don't have an update as of the time we're recording the podcast. They said that further details are coming in the next couple of days, but this was on Sunday and we're recording Wednesday night and there still hasn't been an update. The company said, we are listening, talking to our team members, community, customers, partners, and we'll be making changes to the policy. This, of course, comes in the wake of a mobile game developer kind of like ban slash strike or whatever you want to officially call it. A bunch of developers kind of banded together and said, hey, Unity, like we will like walk away. So there's been clearly a lot of moving parts to this story. What Unity did post online was, we have heard you. We apologize for the confusion and the angst the runtime fee policy we announced on Tuesday caused. We are listening, talking to our team members, community customers, and partners, and we'll be making changes to the policy. We will share an update in a couple of days. Thank you for your honest and critical feedback. And it's like, okay, well, I'm glad that you're acknowledging that there's a lot of discourse happening, but y'all should have seen this coming a mile away, but you didn't. So we still don't have an update. Hopefully we'll get an actual update on what they're planning to do. But it sounds like it might be too little too late for a lot of developers who are already looking at how do we leave knowing that Unity has it in them and has it in their future plans to potentially move forward with their original intentions. Quick note, there was a Twitter post about this, I think from Xavier Nelson, one of the devs who's been really vocal about how these policies can affect people who make their living playing, making video games. If there's an idea to boycott Unity games, that is not really going to help the devs right now. Like, make your opinions known, like, give support to the devs. Like, they have a really tough job, especially in the face of changes like this, which they clearly were not consulted on well enough. But don't abandon them. Like, they do still need sales. So just a a note out there. Yes, and none of these policies have gone into effect. And they weren't supposed to go into effect until January 2024 anyway. So you just not buying a game from a dev is not, is you just not helping that developer. It's not you, like, sticking it to Unity, to be clear. So... Yeah. I also want to say we've been doing this for a long time, ladies. I've never seen a press release apologize for confusion and angst. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, I mean, I get that 
the market today is weird, right? Brands are having to address internet outrage in ways that we've never seen brands have to address it before. And there are some schools of thought that brands shouldn't address it at all. That's like, what? don't like apologize to the whims of the internet. But I think it's pretty universal when the people who actually are using your service, not just like the angry internet mob, are like, hey, we will literally take our entire ecosystem off of your platform to a new platform unless you change the policy. Then it's like, yeah, no, this isn't just like, you know, vocal minority being loud on the internet because they're mad. This is like the people who literally fund and sustain your business saying, you yeah. fucked up, we're going to leave your business. Yeah. <laughs> Apologize for the angst. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> that's all there is to say about that. And yep. with that, we have to move on to the next segment because we have new stuff to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to play Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and we're very excited to talk about it. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. Before we dive into what we've been playing and any preview events that we've been to, I want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking your luggage at the airport without a lock on it. Now, you think that no one's actually going to go through your bag, but you never know what's happening down there in the depths of baggage services, just like you never know who's creeping on you on the internet. When you go online without a VPN, internet service providers or ISPs can see every single website you visit. Yes, even when you're using incognito mode, you can't hide it from the person who provides your internet. They can legally sell this information, you guys, and in some places without your consent. Ad companies and tech giants are the typical buyers so that they can use that data to then target you. Anyone out there ever get a very specific online ad that seems way more than coincidental? Yeah, turns out they probably aren't. But there are ways that you can browse more anonymously. Use ExpressVPN. When you're connected, ISPs cannot see your online activity. Your identity is anonymized by using a secure VPN server, and your data is also encrypted for maximum protection. And it's super easy to use. Just fire up the ExpressVPN app and click one button. It works on all of your devices like phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected too. I went to a proper coffee shop for the first time in forever to do that like super LA thing where you like bring your laptop and you sit down and you chill and you pretend like you're working, but you're mostly just looking at Pinterest or maybe that's just me. Um, so of course, y'all know I opened my ExpressVPN app the moment I connected to that free Wi-Fi because I wanted to keep my stuff private. I couldn't have anybody looking at my top secret Final Fantasy notes. Secure your online activity today by visiting expressvpn.com slash what's good games. That's expressvpn.com slash what's good games. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash What's Good Games and get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash What's Good Games. Brittany, I know that you just had an incredible moment talking about Yakuza yeah. boys, your Lucka Gaiden yeah. boys, but yeah, yeah, yeah. there's other JRPG boys that we have to talk about and girls. 
Oh, I'll say there's so many hot men and women in this game. Ugh. It is just utterly fucking ridiculous. I forgot about my lust for Tifa until we played oh. this game. So Brittany and I were invited by Square Enix to come to their offices to get hands-on with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. So this has been such a surprise for me personally. Before I toss it over to you, Brittany, to you know talk about this giant list of notes that you made during the playthrough. Yeah. That when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out, I obviously wanted to play it because they were doing all of this new stuff with combat and traversal and everything, but also because so many of my friends, including you and Alexa, are like diehard Final Fantasy fans. I was like, let me see what all the hype's about. And I fell in love with this game and it became my personal game of the year that year and very surprised by how enraptured I became. So of course, when they were like episode two, which now is of course called Rebirth, I was like, I'm ready. And so when they asked us to play, it was like, they brought us in and boy, oh boy, did I forget just how many moving parts there are to the combat in that game. It was, I want to be like, it was like riding a bike, but it was a lot clunkier than that for me to get like back into how much is going on in that game. But boy, oh boy, still looks beautiful. Still looks yeah. great. Oh man. Yeah. And it was fun too, because there was a little miscommunication. So Andrea and I had to share a station. It was a, which it was a basically meant I was watching while Brittany played, but then I played a little bit so she could furiously write notes while I was doing some exploration. But and I tried not to backseat game in terms of like, <laughs> I was trying to explain all these plot points to you. I'm like, oh my God, this is what's going on. Because here's the thing, friends, if you've played the original Final Fantasy VII, you know, and you understand that crazy ass plot, you know, it's fucking wild. And it was wild playing the first one and it was wild seeing Rebirth. And so I'm not going to go into all those details because I feel like there's still a lot of people who maybe don't know the ins and outs of that. But thankfully, I don't think Andrea cared. And I was just fucking geeking out. You know that I didn't. Because like, as somebody who came into it with fresh eyes and didn't have any pre-existing attachments to the story from the original... I was perfectly happy to like take whatever was happening in the remake as canon, but we did a whole podcast on like the Mm -hmm. differences and a lot of the things that changed. And so highly encourage you guys to go back and check out that episode from a couple of years ago. But this game (sighs) looks just as good. It was super fun and they've added so much in terms of open world exploration this Mm -hmm. time around. Before we get started with you, Brittany, Rihanna, did you end up playing any of remake? I don't remember. I did maybe like 10 or so hours, like not a ton. So like you dipped your toes in. Yeah. 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 It's good enough for me, baby. Now you're one of me. Now I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I got you now. All right. Great. Okay, Okay, Britt, take it away. Okay. I'm so excited. Okay. Yes. So we had two demos at our disposal. One of them was was an open world-ish area right outside of Junon, which, you know, takes place, uh, you know, a little bit after the main game. Speaking purely, obviously, from the original game, right? Junon happens not too far after shenanigans that happen at the end of disc one. And then we had a Mount Nibel mission, uh, which takes place in with Tifa and Sephiroth when you're on your way to the reactor, which essentially takes place almost like right after the events of the of the first game. Again, according to the OG stuff. So like we didn't see anything super crazy in like future. So I can't like speak on that, nor would I anyway, because spoilers suck. So anyway, the one I want to start with first is the this is the first demo, the the open world exploration outside of Mount Junon and not Mount Junon, just Junon, just Junon. It's a big old fucking city. So my main takeaway after just watching and playing this was that the world guy is just so much more expanded. And I mean, this isn't super surprising, right? Because this game is from 1997 and obviously technology was way limited back in those days. And because I did see Junon, I'm going to speak to that. So when 
our demo began, we could see Junon a ways out. And pretty much the goal was do some side stuff and then make your way to Junon. And then that's kind of where the demo will eventually wrap. And honestly, like the surrounding area is completely unrecognizable in a good way. So obviously in the old version, the 97 version, you had a very plain open world map. And it was very, the grass was green and luscious. And Junon itself looked to be like a little city kind of nestled into a blurry cliffside but now in the area that they started us off at in this in this demo was very rocky terrain there was kind of like this desert esque flora very industrial looking and it looked really good really pretty we're showing it right now on youtube.com slash what's good games and what's really interesting too is that they're all these robed men from the last game and they're roaming around looks like they're heading to Junon too which is super unsettling especially if you know kind of who they are and what they stand for also in and this it- b-roll I'm watching Cloud swim on the back of a chocobo and I didn't know you could do that in the demo I'm now mad that I didn't try to do this oh yeah girl I've scoured this footage and I have discovered so many cool things. I mean, it is so fucking cool. We didn't cool. even try to go swimming on the chocobos. Girl, oh. I have a whole fucking section of notes dedicated to chocobos. Trust me, we will absolutely fucking get there. I love Anywho, it. So, yeah, so once you get to the first area of Junon, which, as you all know, is called Under Junon. Essentially, it's this old, it used to be a, a quiet fishing village, right? And then, obviously, Shinra came in and, and fucked some shit up, and now it was just kind of run down, and no, re- no one really cares about it anymore. That was in the OG version. And now, the sense of scale under Junon has been completely almost reimagined. And it's unrecognizable with all these details and items that you would expect to find in a fishing village. You've got buoys everywhere and nets. And honestly, it gave me the warm and fuzzies because it reminded me a lot of some fishing towns we have here in Western Washington. And there was so much activity and going on. And because in the original, right, there's like four houses and there's nothing to do there. And it wasn't because of lack of whatever. It was just like, this is what this town is. But now it's this huge, sprawling little undercity. And I can't, so many shops to look at and and go into and things you can buy and people you can talk to. It was so, so, so impressive. And there's new characters too. So one of the new characters we meet is a woman named Rhonda and she is the mayor and sheriff of Under Junon. And when you meet her, she interacts with your with your party. And I'm going to keep this very, like, granted, we are permitted to talk about pretty much everything we saw. So I won't go into too many details. But essentially, you know, she sees that y'all are wanted from Shinra. And she's like, you know what? We know when to look a blind eye. And so th- she doesn't turn you in, even though she could get really, really rich from doing it, right? So that's a whole new interesting development is that now there's this new character. And she's like the mayor of this. So there probably is going to be a lot more stuff to do in this, in this little city where they're just really wasn't a lot before. Anyway, so we all are familiar if you play the original game with Priscilla and she is this little girl and she beckons you or you go down to the water's edge in the original, right? And then there's this really crazy monster and she's she's been attacked and there's a dolphin. It's a whole thing. So that's been reimagined in the in Rebirth. And so Priscilla does Haley very early on into Junon and you go down there and you know, you go down to the water because someone's being attacked on a boat and it's fucking Yuffie. Like that was I gasped audibly when I saw her. I was like, what is she doing here in the boat? Because in the original, you get her when you buy she's an optional character in the original game and you find her by wandering around in forests after you leave Midgar so it's just like this crazy thing where it's like this is where she is now and I love this because even folks who have played Final Fantasy 7 over and over again you never know what to expect you never know what you're gonna find and I am just so thrilled to see where they take this and like what characters have different fucking fates and and, I can't wait okay anyway 
So then you fight the Terror of the Deep. And this is basically Bottomswell. I don't know why they didn't, why they gave it a new name. It's that really terrifying, like, fish creature or whatever. Anyway, there's a scene with a dolphin at the end of this fight, and it's majestic. And I'm not going to say any more than that. All I hope is that y'all look forward to it and enjoy it when you play it, because, oh, my God, it was so perfectly cheesy. And it just made me feel good that we got that cheese. That cheese is coming back, baby, in a very, very, very good way. Um, we did get a quick glimpse at the map, kind of stepping aside from Junon for a minute. Andrea, feel free to interrupt me anytime because I am just spitballing right oh, now. Oh, like I'm just, I'm just trying to find some, some, because some of the <laughs> gameplay that they gave us is okay. is really great. I think what has really been fun for me as somebody who doesn't have the same emotional debt. Brittany, are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm so excited. Because <laughs> when we were playing, and so I got to play the scene where we got to meet Yuffie and meet the sheriff, Rhonda, and Brittany was just furiously scribbling on her notes and just like, she was freaking out next to me. And of course, I have no idea about the dolphin and any of these things that are like callbacks to the original. I'm just like, oh, it all looks cool. I'm clearly about to do some kind of big battle. And there's like a big fight sequence there. And mm -hmm. what's really cool is that what the thing, one of the things that I really loved about Remake was just how fun the combat was for somebody who is kind of anti-turn-based. And mm -hmm. that's a staple for a lot of Japanese role-playing games is this turn-based combat and has been for Final Fantasy too. And I love that they let you choose how you wanted to play in Remake of like, hey, do you want to play turn-based or real-time or combo of both? It was just really great to kind of jump right back in. But boy, oh boy, was I not prepared for what each character's spells were, what their abilities were, what the limit breaks did. Like there's a lot of stat work, right, for where they dropped us into yeah. the demo that obviously if you play from the beginning of the game, <laughs> you know who everybody in your party is and what all their strengths and weaknesses are and, you know, what the enemies you're fighting, right? So for me, though, it was just more like having fun, like whacking my giant sword around and ride honestly, riding the chocobos around was very fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the chocobos were great. Yeah, so I can speak to actually the controls and the chocobos now because I have a whole ass section of notes for these. So yeah, speaking of the combat, the new thing that most people are talking about are the synergy skills. And so these are interesting new skills that you can use depending on who you're partied with. So maybe Cloud and Sephiroth, if you're at the Mount Nibel mission, you can do a synergy skill. So how it works is you have your action time bar. And as y'all know, when that fills, you can then use an ability. You fill your synergy skill gauge by using an ability. And so there's these little, it's a new little gauge just kind of by your little, uh, your, your names and stuff down in the bottom right corner. And after the two characters or whoever you want to use for the synergy skill has enough gauge, then you can just activate it. And they're pretty, and they're fun and they're cool and they're new and they're unique. And so I would say that's probably as of right now, just from what we played, the biggest change to combat. I know I've seen people reporting on summons and there's new summons and you can level them up. And obviously Sephiroth was playable in the Mount Nibel mission. I'll talk a little bit about that later. But it is a whole ass thing. And even though the beginning of the Mount Nibel mission does slowly try to hold your hand, I, I still was like fucking bumbling everywhere. I was like, what am I doing? But then once it clicks, it's like, okay, that's right. But yeah, let's talk about the fucking Chocobos because goddamn, these things are just the best. And they're kind of back they're in the They're so fun. They're, they're back. Yes, they're fun. And they're just kind of interesting this time around. So first of all, Andrea, I don't think you and I got to experience this because 
we were listening to the TV audio. So it was hard to really hear all the details in the sound. But apparently when you're on the Chocobo site, I was listening to the footage we were provided. This beautiful orchestrated musical piece plays of the Chocobo theme. Oh. And oh my God, I love it. It is beautiful. And so that was really nice. Then when you hop off, it stops. And I'm assuming when you hop back on, it picks back up again. So like that is just really cool. I know my, my people out there will really appreciate that. Um, so in the in this world, in this game, you can call Chocobo with R1. And it sounds like you have to catch one in the wild. But once you do, you can call them whenever you want in that region. So you don't have to look for tracks anymore. As y'all know, that that was a struggle back in the day. So you have mountain Chocobos, which can like Skyrim horse style climb up certain mountainsides which is fun. You have sky chocobos that can take flight from gliding ranges. And then obviously, speaking of traversal, the buggy has returned and there is the Segway, which they're calling a wheelie, that we saw uh, cloud riding in Costa del Sol footage in the trailer that was released last week. So there's lots of of chocobo things to be found and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more secrets that we're going to uncover, probably like breeding and secret chocobos and whole shit. And and why the the baby chocobos have this nut butt? Yeah, that's my other point is I just don't understand (laughs) why they have nut butts and it disturbs me. Okay, so yeah, like baby chocobos have like these nuts growing out of their butts. It looks like they were hatched from a nut. It's like a walnut shell or something on its butt. It has like a leaf growing out of it. Like what is that all about? All I I know is in Final Fantasy IX, two black mages hatch a chocobo chick out of an egg and they name it Bobby. Okay? <laughs> they name it Bobby. And it's what? a normal ass fucking chocobo chick and it doesn't have a fucking nut butt. I don't know what the nut butt is all about, but it's a thing. And it honestly, you can pet the chocobo chicks, but I don't want to. And other people, me. other media at our demo were also making similar comments being like, what's, what's with the nut butt? And then we got no official <laughs> answer from anybody. I feel so weird about it. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's weird. It's weird, and they're scary. The baby chicks are scary looking, and they and they lead you to these little chocobo stops. I think that's their main purpose. I don't know what the purpose is, but I don't, I don't want any part of it because I'm terrified. I'm every time I eat a walnut now, I'm gonna think there's gonna be a fucking little chocobo chick sitting inside of me, sitting inside of it. And that's not good. But Anywho, re, but red but red thirteen rides it, and it's hilarious. Yes, yeah, and that's the other thing I have about chocobos is like yes, red thirteen. Everyone sits on a chocobo differently in this game okay Aerith is all cute and dainty and she side sits on it cloud fucking straddles that bitch and then you have red 13 who looks like a 115 year old human trying to like sit on a chair like the worst posture in the world like it's I'm terrible trying to find some awful. footage of it let's see if i can find i am some. so also i am also disturbed by this as well i don't know why why don't you just have red 13 fucking run alongside y'all like torgal does in final fantasy 16 i don't know but it's all I can look at. It's literally all I can look at. This is a four-legged creature that was not meant to ride a two-legged creature. Yeah, you know th- that I mean? was our big thing when we were playing the demo. We we're like, listen, this like Red's got like four paws and like these giant hindquarters for running on the ground. Like, why isn't Red just running on the ground next to the chocobos? Why is Red riding a chocobo? It's like it's like a tiger riding a fucking chocobo. Like, why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just have questions. I want an official <laughs> statement. They want to give us one. Oh, God. The other fun thing with Chocobos, before I get into actual info about Chocobos, is Andrea kept pressing circle, and she was giggly. She's like, hee, 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 am I tickling it? Because <laughs> when you press circle, it would do this like, hey, hey, Yeah, that's the Chocobo <laughs> sound. <laughs> like, every time you press it, it was like, it would, like, arch its back and, like, kind of, like, twiddle its legs and then make this noise, like, hey, 
And I was just like, I kept pressing because it was funny. Really. Poor Chocobo. Um, so yeah, that was my experience. Watching and I Andrew just was like, wait, why? But also Chocobo customization. Yeah, so this is actually really cool. So as you're playing, you're going to find Chocobo ranches. And based off the footage that we saw, it sounds like there's going to be, it looks like there are going to be multiple. Because when you enter, it's like Junon region, Gabe's ranch. Anywho, there's a trading post there and you can buy avian helmets, breastplates, and greaves using golden plumes. And I know you get these when you activate Chocobo like rest stations or whatever. Anyway, yeah, you can just equip them and you can change the colors of the gear. I don't know if there's actually any like reason to do this other than just aesthetically pleasing, but that's still really cool that you can do that. For so, funsies, yeah. For funsies, yeah, that's freaking awesome. I want to give mine like little like streamers and shit that you see on kids' bikes. Yeah. yeah I think that would be awesome. Um, the other thing with Chocobo real quick that I want to mention is it looks like there's a hot and cold game kind of reminiscent from Final Fantasy IX and actually one of the team members was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking too, where you can scent and scour for items, which is just like, okay, so Chocobos are going to have a much bigger role in this game, and I think that is just lovely and amazing. It's the best way to travel. The buggy's great. Airship is great, but who needs that when you have birds? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Oh, okay, let's see. If there's anything else I really need to talk on? Not really. I mean, there's craft. Okay, here's the thing. Question, Andrea. Was there crafting in the original? I feel like there was like light crafting. I f- Right? I feel like there was something. But it was like very light crafting. Very light crafting. But I I mean, granted, this game came out, what, three years ago, the original, and so almost four. And so I can't remember if it was this game or not. I think you crafted the things that go into the sword, Materia. Yeah, materia. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't item crafting. No, I don't think so. Okay, well, anyway, there's crafting. But you're right that it's been just enough time that I I don't remember. Well, and I was trying to remember, and I was Googling crafting in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and nothing was coming up. So I'm assuming it's... But anyway, regardless, there is crafting in Rebirth. And so you, as you're playing around, wandering the world, you're going to find different things to pick up. And from that, you can item transmute and make potions, high potions, something called the cushion, which lets you rest at broken down rest stops and a phoenix draft, which is like a phoenix down light. And Andrea was like, you're not picking up the items. And it was driving her insane. Uh, so but- this is my thing. When I play <laughs> gameplay demos, I'm fully aware that... A lot of me picking up things is absolutely pointless. I get that because I'm playing in, in like a weird isolated thing and and me going to try to pick it up is like you can't take it with you. But me being a trash panda, I must always pick up all the things. But also I was like, you're not picking up the things. So we can't check out any of the crafting or as they call it, transmuting. Um, oh, I had made a few right. potions. So, I mean, but it is what it is. Like, there's potions yeah. you can craft and probably other things. And there's also craftsmanship skill that it looks like you'll be able to upgrade as you craft. So, some maybe deeper RPG mechanics, which I love to see it. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Uh, other than that, we just did the Mount Nibel mission, and that was pretty much an introduction into the controls if you hadn't played in a while, which I hadn't, and it was still a little a little much to get reacquainted yeah. with. Yeah. I want to defeat, like, little guys out in the open world. I don't want to have, like, a boss battle right now. I'm not not yeah. ready mentally. Yeah, and speaking of boss battles for my nerds out there, we fought the Materia Guardian, or was it the Keeper? It had a different name really early on in that fight, but I guess that kind of makes sense if you think about the lore of it all. Anyway, fascinating stuff. We got to play as Sephiroth. He had his Masamune sword, and he has his own stance, and uh, it was pretty much what you would expect. You know, pretty linear area, but obviously, like, the Junon stuff, it had been greatly, greatly expanded, and there was more branching paths where you could go find different materia to mess around with, and it was just really cool to see an area like that reimagined and made for modern modern times, if you will. So yeah, I mean, lots to be excited about. Obviously, there's so much more we could talk about. But ba- my takeaway is is that yeah, there 
they're not cutting corners when it comes to reimagining. I think that's why this game is going to be on like two discs while they're doing a whole ass fucking trilogy. <laughs> we know that this game will end at the Temple of the Ancients. That has made public knowledge. So that is really fascinating that they're going to fit all of this into one game. Then again, look what they did with Midgar in the first one. So much potential here just from what I've seen. Like, yes, this is exactly what we want. And I just can't wait to play more of it. So between Infinite Wealth and this, my January and February is looking real, real good. <laughs> What's the date again? February 29th. 20, yeah. Leap yeah. leap day. I'm telling oh, you, I feel birthday. like there's... Oh, it's what now? My nephew's birthday. Oh, a leap day, baby. Well, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's some symbolism there, releasing it on that one day, you know, releasing this game where it's kind of this rebirth, this reimagining. It's interesting. I'd like to talk to the team about that one. But anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm fully ready for it. I'm, I think it's going to be great. I told Brittany that I watched some story recaps about the ending of Remake <laughs> and left just as confused as I was when I played through it <laughs> because who knows what the heck is going on with all the different timelines and there's all these fan theories about looking at what's going on. And I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, like the story is going to be what it is. I'm glad I don't have the attachment from being in a original fan because then I can't be upset or disappointed. (laughs) Upset or disappointed. (laughs) All I can be is like, I'll be just as confused, but I had such a great time playing. I'm just ready for more. It's honestly stressful. It's honestly so fucking stressful, but it's great too. It's it's both. You know, this is again, everyone, the team at Square is saying this is a great spot to hop into this series. So even if you hadn't played the first one, this is a great time to do it because, you know, whatever happened in the first one, it laid the groundwork down and that is just kind of what the driving force is behind this one. And I don't know how important the shenaniganry that went down in the first one is going to impact this. But play remake. You don't have to like explore and do all the side missions. Like it's a fantastic game. You've got time. It is. Play it. Yeah. I mean, you know, just finish all the games from 2023. That'll take you at least Okay, hold on. I didn't say that. Okay. That's crazy talk. (laughs) All right. No one can do that. No one can do that. I can't do that. So anyway, if you haven't played the first one, obviously it is a fantastic game. But if you don't have the bandwidth, you can hop right into Rebirth. So Good to know. Oh, God, it was so good. (sighs) This has been a great week for me. It has been. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Mortal Kombat in a second. But first, Rihanna, show and tell time. Let's do it. Show and tell time. Okay, let me let me get things lined so up. So while you get so. your things lined up, just as a refresher for everybody listening and watching the show, if y'all missed it, Rihanna is a huge Hades fan from Supergiant Games. Fantastic game. They're currently working on Hades 2, which, by the way, they announced early access. We forgot to mention that in the In Case You Missed It. Oh, yes. Early access for Hades 2 begins in Q2 2024. Oh. So work is underway, and you'll be able to start playing in early access midway through or early next year. And they, and being I Am 8-Bit, re-released the highly sought-after vinyl for the original soundtrack for Hades, which... If before the re-release was only going on eBay for like six or seven hundred dollars because the print was so small. Oh, yeah. Clearly, I am eight bit took the high sign and was like, "How about we do a reprint?" It was just me tweeting at them like every month <laughs> for <laughs> the last year. Yes, <laughs> let's see it. Let's see it. All right. So this is the full the full case. So there's four discs in this, and here's what each of the sleeves look like. Oh, some gorgeous art on it. Oh my god, it's got all this uh, the symbols from the game and then this is probably maybe the coolest part each of the discs oh. are actually translucent like you can see that's wild Whoa. i've never seen a vinyl that's clear 
Yeah. That's oh, super cool. So I'm I'm very pleased with this. <laughs> I'm just I was geeking out when I, I I opened it and then realized oh yeah that's right we need to fix our record player because I can't actually listen <laughs> oh, to no. music right now. A, a problem for future you at least you have the vinyl yes. now I am one step closer to listening to these oh. uh, in all of their their hard that's audio beautiful. glory but if you haven't listened to the OST from Dan uh, was it uh, Darren Corb it's fantastic oh, Darren's a genius he's he does all of Super Giants music and he's Chef's kiss. He's great. Also, oh, amazing. a wonderful person. On top of being like musically incredibly talented, he's just like a very nice, kind person. And um, Ashley Barrett uh, on the vocals with him is yes, oh, sounds oh. like this ethereal. She's goddess. a dream. Just, everything about it is fantastic. Great, great music to have on in the background if you're just concentrating on a creative project. Wonderful. Highly recommend. And we have a little, a little guest oh review. My God, I love this so much. So we have a guest reviewer. This uh, quote-unquote self-titled uh, Boomer Review from Boomer my Review. Mom. I love that. It's going to be a new segment on What's Good Games, the Boomer Review. <laughs> the Boomer Review. So uh, as I've talked about on the show before, uh, Danny and I bought my mom and her husband a Nintendo Switch, and they play all the time, like every single day. And the latest game, because my mom used to be an engineer before she retired, she loves puzzle games, and I recommended for her Baba Is You, which is a puzzle game that... It takes a lot of inspiration from coding and it deals with, of course, physical puzzles like you're moving this little character called Baba across different obstacles. And in order to get through them, you change different uh, statements on the screen in order to make the world interact with Baba in different ways. So the first thing you get is Baba is you. And then you could say wall is goal or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you move Baba to the wall. And then that means you you reach the goal and it gets incredibly complicated from there. Mom's played about, I think she said just over 35 hours, so close wow. to 40 hours. And she has not rolled credits yet, but has accomplished uh, a goal on many, many levels and is absolutely loving this game. So she said, this game has hidden life lessons in its logic. <laughs> so she gave me four points to share with everybody today. Number one, sometimes falling is the only way to get where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Number two, words don't die. They can help you just as easily as block your success. Number three, if you hit a wall, you may be out of options to move forward, but you can always move backwards. Hmm. And number four, don't be afraid to fail. Just like in life, you have unlimited chances to start over. Wow. So that was mom's uh, Baba Is You Boomer Review. Many years out later after the release of the game, but she's loving That's it. That's some life and, lessons deep shit yeah. right there. Wise, wise woman. We need, to, we need right? to bring Veronica on for more Boomer Reviews. I'm into this. I love <laughs> this. She would love and that. And then maybe she I can get my dad even. to do a Boomer Review. Or Britt, maybe your dad wants to do a Boomer Review. <laughs> when oh when God, Mario Wonder comes out, I'll get my dad on here and his review will probably be like this fucking game and that'll be his review because he's so bad at platformers but he loves them you'll see <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree <laughs> <laughs> well thank her for her thoughts and i'm glad that she's enjoying it and hopefully she'll finish it sometime soon and uh yeah we'll get her on for another proper awesome. review and maybe next yeah. time she's in town we can actually get her in the studio oh yeah she'll be here soon yeah 
Sounds mm. great. Yeah, but when she's here, you won't be here because, you know. I won't be like mentally. Baby. Ba- ba- baby won't be here. <laughs> okay, so do you want to talk about a little to the left? Yes. Yeah. So actually, because mom is enjoying Baba as You so much, I recommended a new game for her, A Little to the Left. So this game came out, was it a year and change ago? A really sweet indie game about tidying up and you know being interrupted by a cat, which is pretty cute. <laughs> um, a little more than a month ago, they released DLC called Cupboards and Drawers. And if you haven't played A Little to the Left, it's a game about tidying up and like the art of was it called mise en place like putting everything in a specific place so that it all just looks pleasing to the eye and it is it scratches that itch in the brain that wants everything to be organized which is very much active right now for me in real life (laughs) nesting and getting ready for baby so this has been my my you know island of sanity game where at least everything in this game is organized (laughs) even if life isn't So I've been playing the heck out of it. I finished the main game and I'm playing Cupboards and Drawers right now. And it's my favorite version of the different puzzles in A Little to the Left's original game because it's truly just like opening a drawer, finding a bunch of random shit and then like, okay, where does this little, where does this button go? Or where do I put the thimble? (laughs) Where do I put these tiny scissors? And it's just, it's so satisfying. And when you get everything right, there's a little ding. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) that ding is like... (laughs) I'm living for it at this point. (laughs) Like, truly. It is my happy place. And what's really cool about, in general, the the UI, and I'm playing on Steam, so I'm playing on my computer mostly right now, as I sit on my desk in between meetings, is you can sort of drag things around until they snap to the right place. So it gives you a bit of a a bit of a head start on some of them if you get really, really stuck. But it's just been delightful. Again, another puzzle game. I love puzzle games and it's just a nice feel good, cozy moment. And I think altogether, if you don't have the original game, it's only like $19 for all of it, including the DLC. So I definitely am going to be purchasing this on my Steam Deck for sure. This is 100% my jam. As somebody who avoided my real world chores to constantly go to either my Animal Crossing or my Dreamlight Valley chores, like this is definitely my shit. Mm -hmm. I'm so in for this. So yeah, a little to the left, Cupboards and Drawers DLC. And I haven't played this yet, but quick shout out to Apex. I wear my Apex shirt today. Nice. Uh, they have this Harbinger event where Daddy Fuse gets a new like flaming axe as his heirloom piece. And it's really cool. And also World's Edge is back at nighttime mode and the train is back, the loot train. So I will be playing a lot of Apex as soon as I can find somebody to play with me. Oh, I just need my team back. Well, but, and yeah. also there was a new Zombies trailer too for Call of Duty <laughs> of talking about what's happening with zombies and I was like there's just too much stuff oh so many games oh dude. I'm just gonna put like yeah. scissors in a drawer for now because <sighs> sometimes it's all you have the mental bandwidth for you're like I can't I love that. process all these gameplay systems no you know what I need I need to power wash this motorcycle and that's it that's mm-hmm. all I have that the brain bites so to do lovely and yeah separate ways DLC for Resident Evil 4 is out this week and what the fuck? You know what I've been playing in the evenings? Balloon 6. Wait, what? <laughs> what? We haven't Balloons? talked about this at all. No, because I just started playing it, oh God, a few days ago with Jason. Yeah, Balloon 6, man. It's, you know, tower defense game, obviously. Yeah. But I, last time I played it was when it was on Switch, and that was Balloons 5, but now 6 is out. And there is nothing mm. more I love than a good old Balloons game. So we've oh. been playing co-op, and it is just the most chill, fucking relaxing shit in the entire world. 
Just throw darts at balloons and listen to them pop. I like to make my freeze monkeys. I like my glue monkeys. It is relaxing. And it's I, I, so tower defense. I feel like I got to check this yeah. out. It's been a hot minute since yeah, I've yeah, seen a balloon yeah. game. But like oh, I yeah. love search that I one. love Tower Defense. That's my GM. Oh yeah, it's it's really cute and fun. It's I mean I say that like I'm gonna have time, but I'm definitely back on my fucking Dreamlight Valley bullshit because yeah, you are. Oh, the vanilla new, is piece new stuff is back out, again. and mm-hmm. like all of the Halloween Star Path is out, and I'm like, ooh, pumpkin! I love pumpkin decorating. It's time. Oh, it's yes. time. Bust out those decorations, baby. I know. I know. But I still like have so much to do in Starfield. But I did finish the Mortal Kombat campaign. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. So I started talking about this at the end of last week's episode. And turns out it just is fucking good. Like, it's just so good. Netherrealm is in a league of its own when it comes to immersive storytelling in the fighting game scene. Like, nobody does it like they do. I appreciate what Capcom was doing with Street Fighter VI this year. I think they took a really great stab at it. But, And I I think my perspective is very different than a lot of people's that are into fighting games because Mortal Kombat, I don't want to say is seen as kind of like the outsider in the fighting game world because of, like, the way that they do gameplay mechanics. But, I mean, there's a reason why there's not a lot of Mortal Kombat in some of the bigger tentpole FGC tournaments because of the way that they handle it. But this game plays amazing. It looks amazing. The combos are cool. The cameo system is done so well. They changed a lot of things that fans didn't really like about the meter system in particular from MK11. And, like, the story mode is just so well done. Like, the the way that they do this reboot and it's a whole new storyline and without spoiling anything boy oh boy <laughs> does it go places in the last two <laughs> chapters of this of this game and my oh. god the ending of this game is just bonkers.net like it's so wild that i i can't say anything about it it's just it's just incredible and I don't know how they're going to take what they did in the ending of this game and go in a new direction, but I just had so much fun playing it, and I love the characters that they chose to focus on, and I've started Invasions, which is their single-player mode that is after the campaign. I still haven't done any PvP, mostly because I don't want to get my ass kicked. I'm just enjoying having fun in the game without having anybody come in and like wreck my shop. But just really, really loving what they did. So this is kind of a look at invasions that you kind of do these individual small missions and it allows you to earn extra gear. And there's a really deep customization system built into the game, which is super cool and lets you change the way that you play with the gear and everything. And there's a lot to unpack. I feel like Netherrealm really made a comprehensive game that's worth your time, even if you have no intentions of playing any of the PvP content or playing online against people. You will have so much fun playing this game just by yourself enjoying the story arcs, enjoying the wonderful character design, the incredible art direction, these fun costumes, and really kind of learning the backstories of some of these classic characters that you may have seen in the Mortal Kombat world over the decades that this franchise has been around. I just really like hats out to them. And like the motion capture, the animation, the cutscenes are also incredibly done. I think that's something that a lot of times we forget about when it comes to fighting games because 
we don't really think about it. It's all about like how many frame rates, let's count the combo systems mm-hmm. and how are they running the meter management and all of this. But what NetherRealm did in the story mode for these cinematics needs to be lauded and appreciated because it looks fantastic and stands up next to so many of the other amazing games that we're seeing and so much other mocap advancements that we're seeing. Like it just is so phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about how... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just yeah, talking about the mocap. It's all these fatalities. I know, right? This, this crazy Kung Lao fatality where his like spinning blade hat literally cuts this guy in half. So, but that's the thing oh, about the whew. about the campaign is that there are no fatalities in the campaign. Like you don't execute oh. a single fatality in the campaign. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. No. How? Yeah. Why? I mean, because in service of the story, the idea is that you can't cut everyone in half. You're not oh. kill, you're not killing any of these characters in the story mode. Um, for for narrative reasons, not that you actually kill them. <laughs> In these sure. games, because like the like the suspension of disbelief in Mortal Kombat as a series is that the fatalities are just like temporary pain, and then you come back. You know, it's like Guardians. In De- it's like Guardians and Destiny, right? You don't actually get sniped in the head. You like you're you were born and you respawn. You're alive again. It's kind of like that suspension of disbelief in Mortal Kombat too. But you don't actually like have to like button press any of the fatalities in the at least not in the difficulty level I played at in the um, campaign. So Ugh. Ugh, it's just so good. I highly, highly, highly recommend if anybody has even like an inkling of wanting to play Mortal Kombat. It's so good. It's clearly NetherRealm at their best. The game looks amazing. It plays amazing. And I can't wait to play more. And this is purely based off invasions and story mode. Again, have not played in the online PvP. Don't know how the servers are doing. Don't know how any of that is doing. All of my impressions are just on single player stuff. So if you're like me and you're like, I just love fighting games or I love Mortal Kombat's lore and story, you can do all of that and not even fuck around with PvP. So add it to the list, man. Yeah. <sighs> add it to it's the good. list. It's good. It's good. Is it in Game Pass? No. Ah, it's a it's I mean, it's okay. a Warner Brothers game. Like there's sure yeah, yeah. it's definitely not in That's Game Pass. Right. But I mean, it might be eventually, someday, they might do a deal to put it in Game Pass. But let me tell you, though, it's worth the money if you got the budget yeah. and it's in your desires or wheelhouse. But I get that there's a lot of things tugging at your wallet right now, and it's you know it's 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 tough time. You got to make hard decisions about what you're going to play. Speaking out of that, we're going to be talking about another game next week that we got to play, baby. Yes, Alan Wake Two. <laughs> so yeah, lots to say next week. Nothing to say this week because no. the embargo is next Wednesday. We are getting a special guest on the show, and we will be talking about. What Britney played because I didn't play because I was hosting a celebrity voice talent panel at the event, which we will talk about next week. It was awesome. So much to share. Oh, God. I'm so excited. Oh, it's going to be good. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Do I, like, end the episode with, like, the... Isn't it great to be a gamer? There's never been an... I mean... Get your executive, like, fucking blazer and jeans on and your little logo t-shirt underneath. I feel like I need to make a t-shirt that just says, it's never been a better time to be a gamer. And we can wear it to the next press conference we go to. (laughs) That one was, what was it, Hot Milf Gamers? Oh, yeah. I love Hot Gamer Milfs. Yeah. Hot Gamer Milfs. Hot Gamer Milfs. Yeah. That's definitely happening. Making it. Oh, yeah, we'll start that. Yeah, yeah. That feels like a task on my ADHD task list that doesn't need to be there that I'm putting there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll put it right next to my Edge Transit shirt, which I still Oh, I was I wearing that today, right and one of my cats ripped a hole in it, and I'm very sad. <laughs> no. Good thing I bought two. <laughs> it's true. I bought 
two oh in two God. different styles. I, I did that. I literally have it right oh, here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love you. I love this show. I love you guys. I love, you I love guys. everybody out there listening. Thank you for making it to the end of the show. We appreciate our end of the show stands and make it all the way. Yeah. And more to come next week. It's going to be a good one. So much more. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you then. Bye.